This is an AMI podcast. Good morning. It's Tuesday, October the 3rd, 2023. Welcome to Now with Dave Brown. Coming to you on AMI-tv, I'm Dave Brown. Let's hit the horns and go. Coming up on the show today, the men's international goalball tournament took place in France. And the Nova Scotia Open is taking place this month. Peter Parson gives you the latest in the world of goalball. What apps give you peace of mind? Becky Czar is loving the sh**. Karen McGee and Alex Smythe will battle it out for the title of winner. News quiz royalty for at least another week. But the show begins with the top story of the day, and it comes from the world of politics, or as Pitbull, the artist, calls them, politrix. Members of Parliament are electing a new Speaker of the House today. Mickey Juric describes the process. It will start with a short speech from MPs who are in the running, then a 30-minute break likely used to sway the unconvinced, then MPs on Parliament Hill will cast an anonymous vote on a ranked ballot. By the end of the day, a new speaker will be elected and the House can resume its work. It might sound like a normal speaker election, but this one's for the history books. Experts say it's rare because it's happening mid-session. Aside from Anthony Rota, only two speakers have left before their term was up. One died and the other left to become governor general. Mickey Judich, The Canadian Press, Ottawa. Wow, interesting that they use ranked ballots in parliamentary process voting. Electoral reform for Parliament, but not for Canadian citizens. Interesting. Interesting. Staying in the world of politics, this is probably an even more significant story than than the election of the Speaker of the House. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has yet to issue mandate letters for his new cabinet ministers. The PM shook up his cabinet nearly two months ago. Lisa Laporte has more. Defence Minister Bill Blair said last week he hadn't received a new mandate letter and was acting on the list of commitments that Trudeau assigned to his predecessor in December 2021, three months after the last federal election. Trudeau's government has assigned new tasks to the military in recent months while asking it to cut $1 billion in spending. Opposition parties are seeking clarity on how ministers are being told to prioritize their assignments. Acadia University political scientist Alex Marland says mandate letters help to clarify what a government wants to do outside of an election period. Lisa Laporte, the Canadian Press. Okay, and over to the United States side of the politics equation. As you just heard, Canada is electing a new House Speaker. Well, a motion has been filed to oust the United States Speaker of the House. Kevin McCarthy's own party members have filed a motion to remove him. And Wynne has the latest. McCarthy brushed off threats to his speakership. I don't worry about that. I've got a short time period here. About 45 days to get our work done. That's my entire focus. The White House urging Congress to prioritize adding funding for Ukraine, which was not in the short-term bill. The House is now forced to consider this motion within two days. It would then take a simple majority to remove McCarthy from his post, meaning remaining as Speaker may all come down to Democrats. M. Wynn, ABC News, Washington. It is remarkable to me that his own party is ousting him simply because he signed a deal to keep 
government running for at least a little bit longer. American politics, that is what Pitbull calls politics. Let's go from politics to the daily polls at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. On Facebook, on Friday, you were asked all about the International Paralympic Committee voting against suspending Russia's membership. It meant that Russian athletes could participate at the Paris 2024 Games. Should Russian athletes be allowed to participate at the Olympics? That was the question that was posed to you at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. 78% of you said yes and 22% of you said no. There were some really interesting responses in the Facebook comments at Accessible Media Inc. Marco writes in, yes. It's not those athletes' fault that their country is at war. They've worked hard to excel at their sport, just the same as any other athlete around the globe. Leona writes in, that is a difficult question. How do you not appear to condone the actions of a country's leadership, but understand that those actions are also not supported by a number of its citizens? Even more, how do we keep true to the ideals of world sports? And Marion's actually responding to Leona on this one. Love that. Replies in the comments section, Leona, well put. What about all the countries that continue to trade with Russia? Do you ban them as well? As an athlete, do you want to be competing to be the best in the world or the best in the West? And Carla weighs in. Maybe we should stop competing as nations. Imagine. I think uh, Carla's tapping into her inner John Lennon on that one. At Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook, today's daily poll requires a little bit of setup. Paris, France is experiencing a surge in bedbugs. Inez de la Couture has the story. The French government vowing to deal with the widespread rise of bedbugs in Paris. Videos surfacing on social media show bedbugs spotted in public places like movie theaters and high-speed trains. The French transport minister promising to convene a meeting with transportation providers this week to explore possible actions. Others are calling for the formation of a task force to tackle the spreading infestation. A recent study found one in 10 French households have already had to deal with bedbugs. Inez de la Quatera, ABC News. Paris. Oh, a bed bug task force getting serious over there in France in regards to the bed bug issue. It does prompt a question, though, that I think is quite reasonable because it's not just bed bugs that are concerning around your house or apartment. There's all kinds of creepy crawlers. I found an ant in my bedroom yesterday. I'm very concerned about that reality. I might have to move every piece of furniture and make sure there's not a little hive somewhere in my bedroom because that would be a problem because I'm someone who likes to snack and I can sometimes snack a little sloppily so my house can be a haven for ants if there is indeed an infestation. So I've got to do some serious ant investigating later today. But here's the question that I'm asking you. What insect in your home makes you feel the most icky? I know, scientific term there, icky. Ants, bedbugs, cockroaches, or centipedes. And of course, if your option is not listed, you are welcome to go off the board. Amanda Shikarchi, what is the insect in your home that makes you feel the most icky? 
I'd like you had the ant infestation a few years ago to the degree where we had to get a company to come clean out the hives and like the ant hives and like we couldn't like use the room until it was clear. But we've also had the occasional spider. I think one landed in my room like two weeks ago and I don't have enough vision to see that. But luckily someone was in my room to give me something and she was like, oh my God, there's a spider. So we had to go kill that. But uh, yeah, definitely the ants and the bees like to attack us in the summer. Oh yeah, yeah. The bees and the wasps are definitely... Uh, definitely an issue. The wedding I was at this weekend, the wasps had a fascination with me. So I was I had a lot of company out there in the old farmland. Alex Smythe, Amanda brings up a very relevant point here from the low vision blindness perspective. Uh, I was lucky also to have someone who pointed out the ants in my bedroom because mm-hmm. I would not have noticed it if uh, I wasn't looking specifically for it. So there's like definitely an accessibility side here in regards to insects in the home. But before you maybe explore your thoughts on that, what is the insect that gives you the icks? Oh, wow, Dave. Uh, it sounds like you and Amanda both need to start doing some ant investigations. But oh, uh, man. for me, <laughs> uh, you know, just based on um, my experience as well, literally this last week, I found probably like a two and a half inch, three inch centipede that was just on my ceiling above my bed. <laughs> and uh, I, at first I didn't notice it. Then you kind of look up and it's like, what is that? Oh, it's just a massive centipede. I tried to go get it, got uh, got the Kleenex, and I guess I wasn't quick enough. Um, and then it fell down right over my bed, and I don't know where it went. So I think I have a a new bed partner. Uh, oh my from, gosh! Uh, for the next little while, so oh. we'll go with that. But for me, the ickiest of them is bed bugs. I I think that's the one that gets me most unnerved, just on the nature of how they operate, how they kind of spread, and there's the bites and, and everything else. And it's basically, once they're there, it, it they can be very difficult mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. rid of. And that is what kind of, it sends shivers down my spine. So I'm always very conscious, even when I'm like at a hotel or, or a place that I'm not familiar with, I'm checking those sheets every time and I'm checking them for bed bugs, not cockroaches, not ants, not centipedes. Bed bugs. Yeah, again, as you point out, the spread factor, right? That once you get bed bugs, there's almost no way to get rid of bed bugs, minus like a major fumigation bomb and replacing all your stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you may not realize it or you may not notice it. And as you had mentioned, Dave, it's, it's the, the low vision factor, right? Like I was fortunate that I could spot that sent to me. But when I went to, to first get it, like I, I, because it was on the ceiling above me, I stand on my bed and I'm looking. It's like, wait, where did it go? I had to go back down, lie down, look perfectly up. It's like, okay, <laughs> I found it again. Then I made my way back up. So, uh, yeah, that's that's part of it, you know, especially when you get the bed bugs and the ants and stuff, things that are smaller. You know, you may think you've gotten them or you just had one, but, you know, there could be more crawling just out of sight. I think I'm going to hit everybody on the show with this question today because there's some good regionality on the show today. We're getting folks from the Toronto area, the Vancouver area, Saskatchewan. Uh, of course, Karen McGee is out there in Morrisburg. I, I, I'm curious if there's some regionality to the bugs that uh, they're concerned about and whether or not uh, they might want to go off the list. So uh, folks in the control room, keep this poll ready because I think I'm going to be fluttering this one around. Amanda, Alex, thank you both for your thoughts on this one. Don't forget, you can answer the daily poll at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. 
You can also use Instagram and TikTok. Those spots aren't going to post the poll directly, but you can tag Accessible Media in your response. So if you want to do that on Instagram, it's at Accessible Media Inc. And if you want to send a TikTok video, you can do that at Accessible Media, at Accessible Media on TikTok. There's also the email address, feedback at ami.ca, feedback at ami.ca, or you can give the show a phone call. Come on, we're lonely here. Slide into the voicemail box, 1-866-509-4545, 1-866-509-4545. What insect in your home makes you feel the most icky? Ants, bedbugs, cockroaches, centipedes, or you can go off the board. Coming up after the break, the Nova Scotia Open Goalball Tournament takes place in October. That's this month. This time is a flat circle. Peter Parsons gives you the inside scoop. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The men's international goalball tournament took place this weekend in France. The tournament saw six national teams compete. Canada was one of those teams. Peter Parsons is fresh off the plane with jet lag and a recap of the competition. Hey, good morning, Peter. Good morning, Dave. <laughs> you uh, do a lot of travel for a uh, sport. Uh, are you immune to jet lag now or what? No, I, I still get it for sure. It was quite the uh, flight from, from France to uh, to Montreal and then a delay in Montreal getting back early oh, this morning. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what? There's nothing to me more frustrating than when you're taking the plane and you fly by your final destination only to backtrack. I, that happens right. to me on the train all the time. I'm like, no, there's my apartment right there. Can I just hop off? I'll, I'll just walk. But the, but they don't let me do it, Peter. Okay, Peter, yeah. enough horsing around. Enough horsing around over here. How was the competition? How'd it go? It went really well. We had, uh, we had eight Canadian men's players and we split up into two teams of four so lots of playing time and um we had canada red and canada black and uh, i was a part of canada black and we uh we won the silver medal um we had a big semi-final win over france blue because france had split their uh national team into two as they prepare for paris 2024 as the host and so um yeah i know it was a it was a, a big um win for us in the semifinals and then unfortunately we lost to the team from uh it was a club team actually from berlin with one of the top players in uh germany on it oh cool yeah um so okay you mentioned uh, the france side of the equation before you left you had mentioned there was going to be a big joint training session uh with canada and france how'd that go it went really well we had um, a lot of gym time and we got we got to uh, play with a lot of different combinations of our of our athletes um, against uh, different combinations of the of the France athletes who we later uh, this past weekend competed against. So last week it was a it was a really busy week of multiple training sessions a day um, and uh, we were staying at the uh, at the uh, Olympic um, training center there in oh, cool. uh, Marseille. And so it was a really great facility and um, yeah, they treated us really well. They had really nice facilities. They had like um, hot tub, ice bath type of things as well. Oh, and, sick. Um, 
Yeah, so it was it was a, a great experience. The, the France national team, of course, gearing up for Paris 2024 as the host, um, were uh, you know they're they're um, really accommodating to us and to to have some uh, some great training sessions, which was really good for us as we're preparing for um, our Para Pan Ams in, in uh, Santiago, Chile, um, in November. I was I was going to ask you to look ahead to Santiago, but but hold the thought for one second there, Peter. I'm curious what it offers you and your teammates to maybe get a big session in like that, a training camp in like that, right before a big competition like last weekend. Like how much does that end up getting sort of the body and the mind and the feet wet going into a competition that you might typically not get to do for your standard international competition? Yeah, it's so important, especially since through throughout our big country, we're so so spread out. Like there's two of us from Nova Scotia, um, there's a couple from BC, and all, all points in between. Um, so we don't get to train together as often as what would be ideal. Some national team programs ha- are more centralized, um, and they're together uh, training. Um, months of the year together so for us a training camp like that is huge and then to be able to go right into a a competition at the end of the training camp was uh, was quite ideal actually so you mentioned santiago november what is the pathway here what is the road for the canadian national men's team ahead between now and uh, paris 2024 yeah, so at Santiago, we have to um, finish ahead of the U.S. to qualify for Paris 2024. Um, the U.S. and all the other countries, I just say the U.S. because they're our main, uh, the top competition. They're, they would be the favorite to qualify. Uh, Brazil has already qualified as the world champs. There are only eight teams that qualify, and so for us, we need to uh, we need to finish uh, like top two in that tournament ahead of the USA and the Argentinas and the Mexicos and you know out of all those teams. So um, we have we have a couple of uh, a couple more like an Eastern training camp and a Western training camp coming up in between. We have the Nova Scotia Open at the end of the month, um, at the end of this month as well. Um, mm-hmm. So those are kind of preparations for Santiago. What's on your personal agenda? Because the Nova Scotia Open obviously is taking place in your neck of the woods. What's on your agenda here as you prepare for that month? Because obviously, I I imagine you're going to have some hosting duties, but you want to get some training in here too. You want to get some competition going as well. Yeah, it's it's very busy for me because I am the... I'm the main organizer, have my organizing committee um, where we organize the Nova Scotia Open. Um, and, you know, we've been doing it. This is our eighth annual event um, with two years off due to the pandemic. But so between hosting, um, organizing, training, uh, as well as doing some coaching, I'm, I'm, I'm quite uh, busy with, with goalball for sure. But with, uh, you know, a big focus on, uh, on the, the training. Yeah. Uh, you know, Peter, it's not just you on the men's side. The women's team is having a lot of success, and a lot of it's coming out of Nova Scotia. I know our mutual friend Jenny Bovard is oftentimes trumpeting the great work and the great competition on the women's side. I, I'm going to ask you to kind of uh, be a little braggy for a second here. Why is Nova Scotia such a hotbed for goalball right now? Well, I have to say we have, like, the top uh, young athletes. Like, before we went to... Um, France, uh, myself and Mason Smith, who's 24 years old and one of the top players in the country, um, 
we had our selection camp in Montreal the weekend before we went to France. And we had um, two young kids, one 14 years old, Harry Nickerson, who we talked about on the mm-hmm, show, he's a mm-hmm. gymnast, uh, and uh, Griffin Hiltz, who's 18 years old. And uh, I was real, I was realizing while I was there, hey, we have the um, we have the two youngest guys here, which was the the obvious thought to me. Then I thought, wait a second, well, Nick Gentleman, he's uh, 21. I'm like, wait a second, Mason Smith is 24. He's the fourth youngest. We have the four youngest players. So. Wow. Um, you know, since I've been working uh, for APSI, the Atlantic Province of Special Education Authority, um, I've uh, got a lot of kids involved with goalball and you're starting to now see that come up through into uh, the men's game as well. Uh, so at the Nova Scotia Open, we'll be having two men's teams and um, it's great competition opportunity uh, for for the uh, for the kids. So, yeah. It, it, Peter, I'm reading between the lines here. I'm doing a little synthesis it almost strikes me as that reminder about the importance of good grassroots programs that mm-hmm. translates to elite level success. Definitely. And uh, we've been going to a tournament um, since 2016, or actually 2017 in Ontario, the, uh, the Ontario Provincial Tournament, because they opened their tournament up to Eastern Canada. And as soon as they did that, we took advantage of that because they had a youth division. And so um, we just had started a youth program here in Nova Scotia at the time. So we'd send our kids to that. So they had the they had uh, an annual tournament to look forward to after you know their weekly practices through the season, which I think was so important with their development. And then from that, they would go from youth to playing junior and then from junior to senior. Um, and like as a lot of our, our players playing in the men's game, which I call senior, um, is our junior athletes still still junior age athletes and junior nationals are coming back this year. So we uh, will be sending teams to Calgary for that. So right all these competition opportunities and yeah, the grassroots, uh, like you said, are, are so important. I think we, we've done that really well here in Nova Scotia. Okay, Peter, I know you're fighting through some jet lag today. I appreciate it, but I'm going to ask you the daily poll before you get out of here. This one comes at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Actually, the country you were just in, uh, France, Paris, France, dealing with a, a bed bug outbreak. And it's begging this question. What insect in your home makes you feel the most icky? Ants, bed bugs, cockroaches, centipedes? But Peter, feel free to go off the board here because I know I've got sort of a very Toronto-centric angle on a couple of those insects. I would have to say Dave June bugs. Um, we get them, we get quite a few of them here in Nova Scotia and they're big and, uh, and kind of disgusting. Um, I actually, uh, they don't freak me out as much, but my wife absolutely gets freaked out. Do you hear them buzzing outside the screen window <laughs> where one gets in the house every now and then and it kind of freaks her out? Uh, but yeah, I'd have to go with June bugs. Yeah. And hey, you know, if, if the wife's a little concerned about them, you as the uh, the resident blind guy in the house, we're not exactly <laughs> equipped to go hunting and exterminating. <laughs> Yeah, right. You kind of got to do what you got to do, but they make they make a lot of noise, so that helps. Okay, yeah. Hey, that's very kind of them. That's very uh, disability uh, inclusion focused of the of the June bugs. Hey, Peter, this is great, man. Thank you for fighting through the jet lag this morning. Congratulations on the success of the team, and talk to you again in a couple weeks here. Great, thanks, Dave. That's Peter Parsons, the chair of Blind Sports Nova Scotia. Coming up after the break, Netflix has a new rom com. Amy Amanti reviews Love at First Sight. Not exactly the most original title in the world. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.
Welcome back to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Can fate transform two seatmates on an airplane into soulmates? That's the question explored in Netflix's Love at First Sight. What a missed opportunity not to call the movie Love at First Flight, but, but I'll leave that aside for a second because entertainment critic Amy Amanti has a review of the film. Hey, good morning, Amy. Good morning, Dave. <laughs> I love that little segue. <laughs> what, what, what a missed opportunity. I mean, like, people get paid to work in branding and marketing, and they can't right? think to themselves, our love story is about people meeting on an airplane, love at first flight. It works. It works. It works. It works. Oh, I mean, that, that would have that turned this into a romantic comedy, because this really isn't a romantic comedy. I oh. think it's more of a romantic oh. drama. Oh, okay, okay. Than a comedy. The notes that I were given said rom-com, so I, I will no. take that. I will take no, that back not, to the it's officials. It's not a rom-com. There's, okay. there's nothing funny about this film. Oh, oh dear. Okay, um, now I'm afraid. Now my, now my tone may be too playful. Uh, Amy, <laughs> speaking of play, why did you hit play? Well, I mean, I, uh, I, I thought the title was cheesy. I mean, honestly, sometimes, Dave, the reason I hit play these days is because there isn't a lot of new content yeah, yeah. available. And so I'm sort of going, huh, what's new? Oh, this is, and even this is not super new. It's new to Netflix, but it's it's a film that was released in 2021. Um, but just, it's new to Netflix in two, 2023. Okay, okay. So, um, right, and so it's new to Netflix, but it's not necessarily new in the world of, of uh, movie making. Um, but I was also sort of, um, you know, curious about, uh, you know, Love, I, you know, to be honest, I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be another one of those movies where somebody's blind and, you know, regains their sight, and it's one of those. Because wasn't there a movie uh, uh, with, um, I want to say Val Kilmer? It was. was yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, what was that? What was that one called? It, it was. It was some kind of sight pun as well. Yeah, yeah, and I. That's exactly where my brain was going. Was okay. This is going to be another one of those movies. <laughs> So like, I at, thought I have to check it out. Yeah, at first look, at first glance, like at first sight, yeah, something like at that. At first sight, yeah, something like that, something like that. Uh, wow, Val Kilmer cuts from the from the nineties. Really well must done. have made an impact yeah. on us, right, Dave? <laughs> Clearly, uh, Amy. <laughs> the, the the romance genre, whether it be the rom com or the rom drum, in this case, yep. uh, is becoming quite common, and, and part of that is like the explosion of Hallmark movies, but plenty of other. Uh, organizations and stations have started creating their own branches of romance movies. Why do you think it's harder to make a romantic movie that stands out from the pack? So there's a theory behind this. I mean, everybody likes a really good romance movie because I think there's a lot of folks that don't have a lot of great romance in their life, right? In terms of these like epic romances when you think of things like sleepless in Seattle and those kind of like, yeah, um, you've got mail when Harry met Sally yeah. You know, those kinds of things. But what they're talking about these days, when you do a little bit of research online, some of these, um, and I, you know, I'm curious to, to hear what your opinion is on this, Dave, but in, in the modern day of filmmaking, where it's so easy to pick up your phone and say, hey, I'm, you know, uh, I, you can declare your love over phone. Whereas, the, you know, let's say Sleepless in Seattle, for example, where you had to meet at a time and a place and yeah. whatever, uh, right? And you didn't have the, the luxury of picking up your phone and saying, I love you, don't leave, uh, you know, come back, don't take that flight, where you had to be at the airport to to stop them from getting on the plane, <laughs> right? 
<laughs> that doesn't happen in modern days anymore. And so this one, for example, is, you know, they're saying the plot is kind of flimsy in this because, again, you know, they meet on the, the at the airport and the, the battery is not fully charged on her phone. And when, you know, the two of them go through customs and he's British and she's not and he whips through and she doesn't and he puts her his name, uh, you know, his phone number and her phone and her battery dies and it doesn't save. And, you know, and it's kind of like <laughs> that's, you know, uh, blah, right, because somebody didn't charge their phone and so it's becoming a like the modern day excuse right and so it's not it's not the same as the as the old you know the letter didn't make it or the 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 the, the car didn't have gas or you didn't make it on time and the plane left and you'll never see the person again so that that risk that that the stakes aren't as high yeah and so i think that that sort of that oh that that you know that urgency to get there that urgency to stop the loved one from you know, that you'll never see them again doesn't quite exist because you can go Google somebody's name. So what you're describing is what's called the meat cute inside the yeah. genre, right? Inside the rom-com or yeah. the rom-drom uh, uh, genre, it's the meat yeah. cute. And I think they're maybe running out of ways to tell a unique meat cute. But as you yeah. point out, they also tried something there that was a little more modern, the idea of the cell phone battery, which is something that people can relate to. Although I'll say this, when I'm going to an airport, I have every backup charger in the world. <laughs> and like, I am, I am anxiety ridden to make sure my phone is fully charged before I even leave for the airport or the train station. So yep. that just speaks to my own inner demons that eat, perpetually eat away at me inside. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I, I think I think what you're describing there, Amy, is that it's getting harder to write a meat cute because yeah. a lot, especially when you're making 150 rom-coms and rom-droms a year, you've kind of run out of uh, options and ideas. Well, you know, essentially they say, again, I've said this to you before, Dave, but, you know, when I was uh, growing up in the movie industry, but, you know, when I when I started to to work in post-production film, they would say, you know, there's only a handful of plots and we just keep recycling them. Yeah. And it's true. You know, it's boy meets girl or girl meets girl or boy meets boy. And right. Like there's only a handful of plots and we just keep taking that plot line. And like now we set it on Mars or now we set it on a farm or now we set it on. Right. And so we see these same essential plot lines you know, recycled over and over and over again. And then you have to tweak them to make them a little bit more unique. And you're right, it is becoming harder and harder to make them more unique. And so then you have to rely on, like, is there nice chemistry between the two of, of yes, these characters? Yes, yes. And uh, is there something... So this film has, uh, for example, a narrator. And instead of cre making it... Um, uh, about the romance, they make it about fate. Right. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, um, the narrator is their 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 genie in a bottle. Right. right so all of right. these things have to come together. So the narrator is telling the story and the narrator becomes the flight attendant on the plane, but also the the agent at the at the passport desk, you know, when they go through customs and uh, the waiter at the restaurant and is sort of you know, uh, making sure that all of these things come together as the two of them are on their uh, prospective journeys and kind of pushing them together in the right direction. Um, so that was, uh, that, that to me was a, an interesting kind of uh, spin on this. Um, but at some point they started to add too many spins and you're like oh because then they added a statistics level in this so you know the narrator would say statistically like how many people miss their flight in an airport and statistically how many people fall in love and statistically and it's like again adding all these like statistical things and you're like oh my gosh like it's statistically impossible for these two people to have met in this way that's right. why it's fate right okay. and so you're like okay, okay. 
So, but the two, these two actors in this particular film actually have some nice chemistry. So at some level, you're kind of rooting for these two characters because there is sort of this cutesy kind of, like he's got a sweet sort of stiff upper lip, but there's something broken about him and there's something broken about her too. And I don't know, they don't really tell you what's broken about him until later, but she's like, you know, you know, when two broken people kind of sense something about each other. Yeah. Yeah. So there's something there that you're rooting for them, but I wish they had gone deeper into that. Okay. It's very surface. Anyways, there is something that's kind of sweet about it that you're like, Ooh, I want to know more, but they just don't give you all of that. So considering there was a narrator involved yep. here, how did that intersect with the audio description experience of watching the film? So I think sometimes narrators are helpful with audio description. It can fill in some of the blanks that uh, that makes it uh, the audio description doesn't need to do that, right? Because it's helping you tell the story along the way. Um, so I always find a narrator to be helpful if it's used appropriately as a plot device. Sometimes they're just cheesy and it doesn't work at all, right? Sometimes the, the narrator as a writing technique is used yeah, to, yeah, yeah, I know to it's like, important. fill it's in important. the gaps of a story that doesn't work, right? Um, in this in this particular story, I think it's rather effective for the way that this story was written. And so um, uh, it, it works. And, and then, you know, the description in and of itself was really, uh, really a nice en enhancement because what was nice about it is, you know, like as an example, you know, the, the our, our heroine in this story is heading to a wedding um, in England. Right. So she's heading from uh, from the U.S. over to England. And so uh, there are these moments where the description would like describe the bridesmaid's dress that she's wearing. And almost never do I get any description of what characters are wearing. Almost never mm -hmm. does that happen. And so, you know, um, this bridesmaid's dress is a little bit over the top, but it's not meant to be ridiculous because it's not a rom-com, right? It, there's no, no comedic value in this, but it's a little bit, you know, silly. It's a little bit... Um, I don't know, British silly in a way. Uh, so it's very different than an American style, but also in a way that um, our, our, our British uh, gentleman is going to a um, an event that is a Shakespearean event. And Ooh. so everybody's dressed as a Shakespearean character. And so the description is describing to us some of the Shakespearean costumes that people are okay, wearing. Okay, okay. And so I would never get those layers typically in description. And so I was really happy to receive some of those layers. It kind of seems important because that's sort of the absurdity of like the of like the meeting and the connection. Yeah, the costumes are part of it. Okay, Amy, I got to be quick on this, but would you recommend Love at First Sight or what should have been called Love at First Flight uh, to Love others? Love at First Flight. Um, I would say if you're uh, interested in a little bit of cheese, yeah, don't take it too seriously, but I think it's probably worth hitting play on this one. Yeah. Okie dokie. All right. And then this other question that I want to hit you with is the daily poll question at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. There's a bed bug outbreak in Paris, France, and there's an ant in my bedroom that I'm very concerned about. What is the insect inside your own home that gives you the icks, Amy? Is it ants? Is it centipedes? bed bugs uh what are my other options there are cockroaches of course cockroaches. you're out there in vancouver you're out there in uh you're out there in vancouver i don't know what kind of regional insects you guys have to deal with or if anything off that list jumps out to you do you know what i have in my area i have wolf spiders 
Oh dear. And uh, yeah, and so they are uh, mostly floor based, but sometimes end up on a wall. Mm. And they are big and black and hairy. I uh, think of them like mini tarantulas, ah. mini tarantulas, Oof. but they they end up being about the size of a toonie. Um, and they uh, I, 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 they're just big black spots to me. Uh, they move quickly. But uh, I can almost, in my mind, see them staring back at me. So if I come across one on the floor, it's like a stand down. Who's going to move first? Oh, Are you dear. moving? Am I moving? Oh, dear. And they terrify me. They terrify me. Uh, so that's, and I live in a basement suite of our family home. And so, uh, so, so my house has, <laughs> my house has, uh, uh, um, uh, towels rolled up and braced against the outside doors <laughs> to try smart. and keep the spiders smart. out, especially in the winter. Look <laughs> at this smart technique, smart technique. I'm, I'm going to start taking some notes here as I deal that's with right. uh, the one ant that I found yesterday. Uh, Amy, thank you for this. Have a great day. You're welcome, Dave. That's entertainment critic Amy Amanti. You can find Amy in Vancouver, B.C. You can find Love at First Sight on Netflix. In 60 seconds, Alex Smythe has the weather story of the day. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your morning business minutes. Canada's main stock index tumbled nearly 2% yesterday. The widespread losses led by utility and energy stocks as the price of crude fell nearly 2 bucks a barrel. Toronto's TSX index dropped 364 points to 19,177. New York's Dow Jones average lost 74 points and the Nasdaq gained 88. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index plunged 1.6% and our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 73.02 cents. U.S. Asian markets tumbled this morning following a mixed session on Wall Street, where buying was pressured by rising bond yields due in part from a funding deal in the U.S. government. Hong Kong's Hang Seng dropped nearly 3% as investors unloaded property shares. Lundin Mining Corporation is reporting that Chief Executive Peter Rockendell is stepping down. The Vancouver-based mining company says Jack Lundin, current president and former director, will step in to take his place at year's end. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Rebo. Thank you very much, Karen. Let's turn to Alex Smythe for the weather report. Alex, it is hot as heck in Ontario. I was hanging out on my back porch yesterday in flip-flops and shorts. Yeah, Dave, and it's not just uh, that it's warm, it's just how unseasonably warm it is, especially when you compare it to other parts of not just the country, but North America in general. So uh, this today is supposed to be one of the hottest days of fall so far. Some communities will potentially get up to 30 degrees today. One of them, your old stopping ground of Ottawa, Ontario, Dave. They're projected to reach the 30-degree mark today based on the weather at the Ottawa airport. If they do, it will be the latest that the city has ever gotten to 30 degrees in uh, since they've started recording this data. The, la- uh, the latest previous record would have been September 27th, 2017. So it's not just the high temperatures that are catching people's attention. It is also the gap between what is seasonable or or average temperatures for this time of year. In Moosonee, Ontario, it is projected to be 19 degrees above normal today. So that is just such a huge gap that we're experiencing. And it just really highlights how unseasonably warm it is in Ontario right now. Now, if that's not surprising enough, let's just look at the GTA in 
Let's see how it stacks up to one of the other hotbeds of North America, Las Vegas. Mm. Yesterday, it was actually hotter in Toronto than it was in Vegas. Las Vegas was 23 degrees yesterday. Toronto was 27. Now, in part, that is because down in the Vegas area, it's, it's unseasonably cool. It's below average, whereas we are experiencing the above average temperatures. That trend may continue today as places like Hamilton and Niagara Falls are forecast to be warmer than the U.S. Southwest Toronto. Right now, it's projected to be 27. Vegas is supposed to be 27, so it's going to be on par. So, Dave, if you can't get a trip down south to go explore Vegas, at least you can experience the weather <laughs> when walking around back uh, as you leave the office, head back to your home. I can gamble on my phone, and I can buy my own beer, so I can always uh, replicate uh, the Las Vegas experience wherever I go. Thank you very much, Alex. Coming up next, the Spring Ridge Farm in Milton, Ontario, is offering up some Thanksgiving celebrations. Mara Hutchinson tells you all about it in her community report. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Thanksgiving is this weekend. So you might be doing the old gobble-gobble family dinner. Maybe you're doing the old Dave Brown thing, which is going to an Irish pub with a couple of your oldest friends to celebrate one of their 40th birthdays. Everybody's got their own traditions. Community reporter in Toronto, Mara Hutchinson, has traditions of her own. Hey, good morning, Mara. Good morning. How are you guys? I am doing fantastic this morning. So, Mara, how does Spring Ridge Farm in Milton, Ontario, make its way into your family traditions? Well, that's because I've, I have a kid. Um, I Ever since having Mateo, I was just trying to gather up all ideas of where to take him, what to do. And I see all the pictures from different families going to all these pumpkin patch. And I said, why not? Let's just figure out where to go. And Milton is right around the corner from me. So I decided to just hit up Spring Ridge. <laughs> like you said, there are a lot of different farmlands or pumpkin patches or apple picking groves to go to this time of year. What yeah. makes Spring Ridge stand out? I think because, first of all, it's free. Unless oh, you I like want that. To use... I like that. Right. The, the low, low price of free 99 yeah. <laughs> It's free if you want to take some photos, cute photos, and so on, and just kind of roam around. But if you want to use the actual fun area, the play area for the kids, I, you pay for that. And then there's a nice bakery around the corner just right there. And I think it's just a good family outing, and you can do a picnic, just hang out. So that's what I love about it. What about, I know this question can sometimes be a little bit difficult to answer because accessibility can mean different yes. things to different people, but how would you rate the accessibility of Spring Ridge Farm? You know what? I think because it's around that farm land that it needs a little work, to be honest with you. I'm trying to think about people with wheelchairs and so on, but I could probably give it about a seven out of 10. I mean, personally for me, I was holding on. I do hold on to my husband here and there. And there is like a concrete pavement where you could probably do the wheelchair, but you're out on the farm. And I mean, if these type of things are getting bigger and bigger every year, I think we need a lot of work in terms of 
accessibility for everybody in our community. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. It's no it's it, it's a real reminder that oftentimes the conversation around accessibility and universal design is thought of as a city issue, but it's not simply a city issue. I was in Huron County over the weekend talking yeah. to a big-time accessibility advocate about some of the work she's been doing around Blythe, Ontario and the surrounding region and yeah. like the the needs for accessibility are not unique to just Toronto or Montreal. Farmlands, Milton, Huron County, interior British Columbia. It doesn't matter. The conversation needs to be had more broadly around the country. Oh, 100%. And this is why I feel like what we're doing is sharing and advocating and just speaking out about, hey, we do these type of things. We go to the farms and take our families and our children and I mean, can you imagine if I was just by myself with my with my son? I mean, I feel like this is why what we do is what we do. We keep speaking up and just share that we need a lot of work yeah. with all these type of places. Hundred percent. Well, if some if somebody does want to uh, get in touch with your tradition and also get part of this Thanksgiving time uh, spirit this time of year, springridgefarm.com, springridgefarm.com, and uh, more points of contact will go up on the blog after the show, ami.ca slash now. Okay, from literal farmland to probably one of the hippest parts of downtown Toronto, the Drake Hotel. You've recently taken in a couple of neat experiences and events at the Drake Hotel. What brought yes. you to the Drake? Oh my gosh, I was gad- okay, I was looking for ideas of a girl's night out or girl's day out. And I'm trying to figure out, I love to eat, I just want to show or some sort of something for a girl's day. Yeah, yeah. And I was Googling and so on, even with, um, I think I found it on social media and the Drake was happening in terms of um, the drag brunch. There is also high tea. There's so many things going on with the Drake Hotel. And I said, I am going to plan a girl's outing and do the drag brunch first. And it was a huge, huge hit. And um, I took my family on another day, which is a Sunday for high tea so that my son could also enjoy and my husband, and it was also a hit. Like, you can't go wrong with food and entertainment. No. That's what it is. You cannot. You, you cannot. You definitely cannot go wrong with food and entertainment. The other thing about the Drake is that it's really cool. Like, the venue is just cool. Now, Mara, this might seem a little bit of, like, an abstract question, but there really is something to the idea of a hotel not just being a hotel, but also a cultural community space. Mm-hmm. I, like, like, I, I, like, obviously, every hotel has like their little resto bar or whatever but the drake it just feels like it's a little something different it feels like way more ingrained into the culture of the downtown core i feel like it also just caters to everybody i mean i've seen older folks younger folks and they just cater to everybody and you can't go wrong with having such a great time there and what they have to offer so that's what i fell in love with it and i think honestly this year i was there maybe already 10 times oh, just wow. checking out all. Yeah. I mean, I'm just trying to Google and just trying to see what's up. And I'm like, you know what? Let's just go back to the Drake and because they <laughs> offer so many, they offer so many events and just so many things to look forward to. Yeah, one, so I'm, yeah. one of my big regrets this summer is I wanted to go see this singer-songwriter Jeffrey Martin who was playing at the Drake Underground, the venue downstairs, and I yes. I just I couldn't make it work. It was a Tuesday night, and Mara, I get up at 5, 5.30 every morning, so I can't, I can't be out there gallivanting no. to the late hours on a Tuesday night. 
Oh, I feel you. I know they, they, they offer live music as well, which is, I do love, but it's, it doesn't work with my time as well, but <laughs> I mean, it doesn't work. I mean, I wish it could work, but I, like I said, it just, they offer so many things for everybody. We have responsibilities in life, Mara. That's just the way <laughs> it do. is. <laughs> we do. Oh. Mara, so great to talk to you again today. Have a lovely Thanksgiving weekend with the family. Yeah, have and- a lovely Have a lovely Thanksgiving, Dave. Yeah, and we'll reconnect in a couple of weeks. That's Toronto community reporter Mara Hutchinson. Coming up in 60 seconds, Amanda Shikarchi will have the entertainment report. But first, Neuralink brain implants are moving to human trials. Mike Dubusky has more in Tech Trends. Recruitment is now open for Neuralink's first human clinical trial. Treatment of four or six patients to assess safety of the technology, first level safety. Yuri Vlasov is a professor of electrical engineering focused on neurotechnology at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. He says the study is open to those with spinal cord injuries or ALS. Saying that for these particular people, you are allowed to do this treatment because they will they will gain from it. And he says Musk's company isn't alone in reaching this level of human-machine interface research. Synchron was approved in 2020. They already made implants for five patients, and they are publishing papers in peer-reviewed journals. But Neuralink has faced controversy. Reuters reports the company is under federal investigation for alleged animal welfare violations. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubusky, ABC News. What a nice little tale Mike puts on that one. Oh, by the way, they are being accused of animal cruelty. But uh, that's it. Tech Trends. Have a nice day. Thanks, Mike. You're always doing fantastic work over there. I'm teasing you because I love you, Mike Dubusky. Let's bring in Amanda Shikarchi for the Entertainment Report. Amanda, Ed Sheeran dropped a new record over the weekend. I have not had a chance to listen yet, but you have. Thanks, Dave. Yes, the album is amazing. On September 29th, Ed Sheeran released a new album, Autumn Variations. It is the first album without a mathematical title. The sound is refreshing yet reminiscent of Ed's original roots. It is interesting how the song Plastic Bag is similar to One Direction by uh, Little Things by One Direction, which Ed previously wrote. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't didn't know that Ed wrote for One Direction. Yeah, he did. It's pretty interesting, actually. Um, Yeah. (laughs) To get a sense of Ed's nostalgic sound, here's a clip from Plastic Bag. Trouble sleeping. Oh, purpose gone and don't have a reason. There's no doctor to stop this bleeding. Feel free to listen to the rest of the album on all streaming services. So, Dave, since you haven't listened to the album yet, what are your thoughts on this clip? Well, I'm not going to make any huge conclusions off 12 seconds of music. I have to admit, Amanda, I did like it. Uh, The instrumentation on the guitar, very, very bright. So I'm interested in giving this a listen. But as I mentioned a couple times here, I was out of town this weekend. I was traveling, wedding time. No time for listening to the new album for me. But I'm going to bounce the ball the other way. What do you think of the album? I really like the album as a whole. I feel like the sound was... Very, very unique because he combined it many different genres that it's hard to classify it as, oh, this is a pop album or this is a hip hop album because there's a bit of everything. And I like the experimentation of folk. However, my one critique I have to say is 
I love the different perspectives and narratives that are being discussed here. However, some of them are very like somber and personal, which is great. However, when you're so, coming so, so to... What, so what do you mean? Like, what are some examples? Like, he talks a lot about, a little bit too, about like some of the losses he had to deal with. Um, because I think a while ago, one of his friends sadly passed away. So he touched a little bit of that on his previous album. I think there's definitely traces of that here, which is wonderful to hear. However, I personally don't, when it comes to listening to, you know, more deeper, somber music, I do like when the album ends with a more positive track, which Head Over Heels does do that. But if I were to make the track list, I would have done something a little bit more upbeat for the ending. Maybe a song like Amazing, which was one of the songs closer to the beginning of the album and ending it more on an upbeat fun note if that makes sense you know what you should do amanda you should go into your spotify and then make a playlist in the order of the way you want the album to be and then that way you don't need to worry about ed's choices like nah it's the amanda cut it's the it's the shikarchi cut yeah (laughs) hey amanda always great catching up with you have a lovely day and i will uh, talk to you uh i'll talk to you in the second hour of the show because you're part of the news quiz so don't stray too far all right talk to you soon that is amanda shikarchi like amanda said you can find the new ed sheeran album on all streaming platforms hopefully i'll get a chance to give that a listen today Although I'll tell you what, I don't think it's going to happen because it's a big day in the world of sports. The baseball playoffs are underway. And coming up after the break, Brock Richardson will give a preview of the Minnesota Twins and the Toronto Blue Jays series. And I've got a couple other random baseball thoughts of my own. Because as you know, I'm not a Blue Jays fan. I'm not a bandwagoner. I don't hang out in that nest. I'm a broad-based baseball fan. So, after the break... You'll find lots of baseball chat and the regional news. I got a couple of really cool stories in the regional news update as well. So journalism, sports talk, and uh, I will be asking Brock about insects that give him the icks as part of the Daily Poll. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. It's Tuesday, October the 3rd, 2023. Coming up in the second hour of the show, what apps, as in applications on your phone, not appetizers, give you peace of mind? (laughs) Becky Zarr has been loving the Schleg Home app. She'll tell you all about it. And it's another edition of the Weekly News Quiz. Amanda Shikarchi, Karen McGee, and Alex Smythe battle it out for the crown, which used to be some uh, Disney Mickey Mouse ears, but I don't know where they are now. So now it's more of a figurative crown, figure of speech. (laughs) Brock Richardson is standing by for a sports chat, but before that, it's the regional news update. Beginning in the prairies, it's election day in Manitoba. Steve Lambert sets the table. 
If the progressive conservatives win a third term, Heather Stephenson, who took over as leader of the party two years ago, will become the first woman to win a Manitoba general election. If the New Democrats win and end seven years in opposition, Wab Canoe will become the first First Nations premier of a Canadian province. Healthcare and inflation have been the major issues in the campaign. Both main parties are promising more money for health and ways to ease the cost of living. Steve Lambert, the Canadian Press, Winnipeg. Those results for the Manitoba election roll in tonight, tomorrow morning, 9.14 a.m. Eastern Time. Michelle McQuig of the Canadian Press will react to the Manitoba election results alongside yours truly. Over to Quebec. There was a provincial by-election in Quebec last night. The Quebec City riding of Jean Talon was up for grabs. Parti Québécois candidate Pascal Peredi beat Coalition Avenir Québec candidate Mary Annick Chouary. This win gives the PQ four seats in the National Assembly. Coalition Avenir had held the seat since 2019. Interesting fact, that seat in Quebec City, the Jean Talon riding, had been held by the Liberal Party of Quebec for 54 years before they lost it in 2019. And over to Ontario, Rogers has expanded its wireless network on Toronto's subway system. To more users, John Kennedy has the story. A spokeswoman for Bell says it's a great day for the company's customers in Toronto, noting the network engineers work through the weekend to try and ramp up services. A TELUS spokesman says the company will be working hard to expand the number of stations and tunnels covered in the coming months. Today's announcement comes after tense negotiations between three rival companies over the best approach in providing coverage for all TTC subway riders after Rogers acquired the cellular network earlier this year. John Kennedy, The Canadian Press. I know it sounds like I keep mocking these reporters at the end of their pieces and I'm the one who chooses to play them. So I I acknowledge that I can be a little bit of a jerk when I do this. What John Kennedy left out of that story is the federal government told Rogers they had to open the network on the subway system to the other providers. So it's not like this was tense negotiations and they did this out of the goodness of their hearts. The federal government mandated them to do it. Just an important point of clarification. That's your look at the regional news with a little bit of editorializing from the jabroni Dave Brown. Let's bring in Brock Richardson for a sports chat. Brock, before you jump into the MLB playoffs, the Major League Baseball playoffs, I've got a story that I want to play for you. I'm ambushing you with this. The data is in. The Major League Baseball pitch clock made games substantially shorter this year. Bruce Morton crunches the numbers. Thanks to the pitch clock, the average time of a nine-inning game was two hours and 40 minutes. That's a 24-minute drop from the 2022 campaign. This season of change resulted in a spike in batting averages and the most stolen bases in 40 years. The average game time fell to a level last seen in 1985 after passing the three-hour mark for the first time in 2016. I'm Bruce Morton. So, Brock, you and I talked a lot about the MLB pitch clock when they first brought it in at the start of the season, but now the data is in, knocking more than 20 minutes off broadcast times on games. That's a big deal. I know it doesn't sound like a ton, but that's a big deal in terms of a baseball game starting at 7 and ending by 10. Yes, it is a huge deal. And I have to tell you that I 
felt the difference this year. I, I really did. I felt the difference where it's like, oh, I can, you know, start a show watching with my wife at, you know, quarter to 10 as opposed to 10, 10, 30, you know, and that makes a big difference when you're doing things. I, I was listening to uh, the Fan 590 Morning Show and they had uh, John Paul Morosi on, who is uh, one of the greats in reporting baseball oh, so for good. Fox. So good. And they asked him, they said, did you expect when they started the season that the pitch clock would remain rules in when we got into the playoffs? And John Paul Morosi very quickly said, absolutely, this is where we are. We are here now. There would have been no adjustments. Uh, and I think what they were getting at was when you see the no runner on second base in the playoffs, as you see in the regular season, when they start the 10th inning, that's what they were getting at. Would we see changes? And John Paul Morosi said, absolutely not we are where we are and the pitch clock is here to stay and this is just the way of the world now and i think that stat that you gave really emphasizes that moving forward brock you can tell i'm about to get real nerdy on you because i'm pulling out the calculator and by calculator i mean my phone i did a little bit of quick math here let's say somebody was a true baseball junkie and watched 162 games this year they watched all 162 Brock, 162 times 24. So 162 games times 24 minutes saved is 3,888 minutes of time saved watching baseball this year. Divide that by 60. So here we go. Divide that by 60 in real time. Oh, no. I, I messed up my calculator. Dave Brown, not good at calculator. 3,888 divided by 60, as in 60 minutes, means you saved 64.8 hours of watching baseball this year uh, with the pitch clock being in place. I like that. You see? There's a little number for you, my friend. Listen, and I watched all 162 games in some way, shape, or form of the Toronto Blue Jays this year. I am all about that. That is a lot of time saved. I love it. And I'm looking forward to this with time being saved with the playoffs when yeah. you have quadruple headers. Give me any any time saving you'd like to do. Okay. If you're looking at saving <laughs> 20 minutes per game, that means you're saving an hour and 20 minutes on a four-game day. Yeah, yeah. Four game day. That that's that's a big difference. Okay, look at look at professional broadcaster Brock Richards and being like, Dave, get to the point. People don't care about your calculator. They don't care about <laughs> math. They want to talk about the Major League Baseball playoffs. They want to talk about the Toronto Blue Jays and the Minnesota Twins who get their playoff series started this afternoon, just after four thirty p.m. Eastern time on Sportsnet. Brock, what's your general uh, sizing up of this series between the Blue Jays and the Twin Keys? Well, you have the twink, the twins who really do this by committee. Uh, they don't have a lot of huge names uh, in their lineup necessarily. Uh, they do it by committee. And I think this is what you're going to see. There's not really that, you know, uh, you know, you got to avoid this guy, this guy, this guy. And then the rest of the lineup is, is, is weaker. It's more of a, it's spread out. Your offense is going to come and go. I think the Minnesota Twins record might fool people a little bit. They were a game or two back of the Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto had uh, 89 wins this year. Minnesota had 87. So uh, this is a team that's close. Their division was not as good, obviously. Minnesota took advantage of that. I really think this is going to come down to pitching and timely hitting. And we've seen the Toronto Blue Jays struggle with timely hitting. So it's whether or not they can get a hold of this or the Twins get a hold of this first. And Dave... 
I know this is going to sound really, really cheesy to say, but the biggest, the crucial inning for this game for both sides is who wins the first inning. And I know there's nine, eight innings after that, but it's really going to set the tone. If you can win that first inning, you're really setting the tone moving forward in the game. And I think that's going to be a real tell telltale for this. One stat that I'll give you, Dave, that you need to keep an eye on. If I told you that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was two for 15 in playoff uh, appearances in in the batter's box, that number needs to change. Absolutely. We can't be going two for 15 in, in this playoffs. We need to see him pick up the pace because Minnesota is going to do that. They also know how to play small ball, and the Blue Jays have to be ready for this all in all. That's my take on this. As a short snippet. I, I mean, sh- sharp, sharp analysis there, Brock. Got to win the first inning. That's about as good as hockey players say. We got to get the puck deep. Got to score first. Puck's on net. Uh, no, I, I knew like, what I was saying. I know. I, know. I, I acknowledge. I, I'm, I'm acknowledging. Uh, Brock, you mentioned the uh, Twins being opportunistic in the way that they score runs. Uh, to put that in a little bit of perspective, the Twins ranked 19th in the league in hits, but were ranked in the top five in runs scored. So when they're putting runners on base, they are cashing runners. They're also one of the top five teams in the league in home run hitting. So be very mindful of that. Uh, You mentioned not a lot of star power. Look out for the pitcher pitching for them in game one tonight, Pablo Lopez. He's not necessarily the most beautiful technical pitcher in the world, but he is a strikeout artist. And in fact, a lot of the uh, pitchers for the Minnesota Twins are strikeout artists they finished number one in the league in throwing strikeouts this year so for if you're the toronto blue jays you're also going to be looking for some very timely hitting here because uh Minnesota's going to be throwing some junk and some fire at you, and they're they're a tough team to hit. That's how they've had the success all year round so watch out for what could be some pretty low scoring games here and kevin gosman who's going to be the starter for the toronto blue jays has struggled with the minnesota twins he had a real Rough start earlier this year. It was back in the early part of the season. Mm. I get it. But this is the pitchers play a lot into their psyche in baseball. And to me, this is this is a big sort of deal with this. I'll I'll ask you this quickly. Uh, how do you like this idea that the Toronto Blue Jays have decided this year for the wild card that they've announced both their game one and two starter right from the beginning? Kevin Gosman game one, Jose Barrios game two. Last year they did this. Well, we'll see where we're at. After game one, before we announce uh, starter number two, do you like, dislike the the starter announcer? Eh. Do you really care one way or another? It doesn't, doesn't really move the needle for me, Brock. I, I'm not too concerned about it. I think people had a sense of who those two starters were going to be uh, when they found out that Chris Bassett, due to rest, wasn't going to be available tomorrow. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty obvious who your, uh, who your top three were going to be anyways. Before we heard about the rest with Chris Bassett, I think, before that, I might have thought that maybe Bassett gets game two, but he's going to get game three if it goes there. And those those are your top three starters. It's as simple yeah. as that. So yeah, not, absolutely. Not, not anything too earth shattering there at all. Brock, we've got to get out of here, but before you do, I want to ask you the daily poll, which folks can find at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Paris, France, dealing with an explosion of bed bugs. I found an ant in my bedroom yesterday. That was very concerning. So I'm asking you and the good people out there in listener land and the viewer vortex, what is the insect in your house that makes you feel the most icky got some options here but you're not limited to them ants bed bugs centipedes or cockroaches i'm going with cockroaches i've had cockroaches 
living in apartments and they are just not fun. They always come and go and it's just not cool when you have those in your house. So those give me the ick factor out of that list. Cockroaches. At Accessible Media (laughs) on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Brock, have a great day. Enjoy a quadruple header of baseball. You as well. I will be tired and blurry-eyed tomorrow morning, but I look forward to it. That's the playoffs for you, and that's the way that we like it. By the way, I mentioned another baseball game on my radar, Arizona Diamondbacks and the Milwaukee Brewers. That's going to have my attention this evening because I support any team that uh, implies beer that plays in a place called Miller Park, or at least used to be called Miller Park. Big supporter. Big supporter. Coming up after the break, what apps on your phone or your technology give you peace of mind? Becky Zar is loving the Schleg Home app. She'll tell you all about it. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. There is all sorts of technology that's meant to make your life easier. Some of them are apps on your phone. Some are designed to do more than just make your life easier. They're designed to give you peace of mind. The Schlage Home app allows you to control and monitor compatible locks from anywhere. Becky Zar has been playing around with the Schlage app and has some nice things to say about it. Becky is an entrepreneur in Saskatchewan. Hey, good morning, Becky. Morning, Dave. So, Becky, why did you want to talk about the Schlage app this morning? Because I am late to the game oftentimes when it comes to tech. And so when I found this guy, I was like, I want to tell everybody else about it who can potentially benefit because it's been so fabulous. So um, I'm here to talk about the Schlag um, encode door locks and how fabulous they truly are. <laughs> so so how, how do you find you're using it? Like what, what's the use case in the czar household on this one? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to be honest. Um, we are trialing it right now in attempts of seeing if it's going to work properly for our upcoming hotel that we're building. So I want to make sure that I can get in and out of all of the rooms successfully and smoothly without carrying around, you know, a jingling pocket of keys that I'm going to probably misplace at one point or the other, um, or, you know, just fumble around in the cold to try to get the key into the darn microscopic little hole. So, um, we're trialing this. My husband put it on the front door and it connects to my Alexa app, which is always in my pocket. And it's amazing. So, I mean, it's all voice activated for me. Um, I carry no keys now because I I don't know about you, but like when I go out, I feel like I'm carrying a million and one things. Plus I got the dog and the kid and whatever else. And if I can find my keys at that particular moment, it's always a bonus, but sometimes I can't. And um, this just kind of remedies it all. Uh, Becky, I like this idea that you're saying, hey, I don't want to walk around with a giant ring of keys like a medieval dungeon master. That's good. It's always best. But I also identify with what you're talking about here with saying when I'm leaving the house, now I've got the wallet, the keys, the phone. You mentioned maybe you've got the doggo. Maybe you've got the white cane. Maybe you've got groceries. You've got a bag. You're trying to wrangle your son. Your husband's there, too. It's sometimes nice to say, "Okay, let's be a little more hands free with this operation. Yeah, totally. And I mean, literally, I how it kind of works is I open up my uh, 
a app that I call. I don't thank know. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Her, yeah. Thank you for not yeah. saying the trigger word. It's much appreciated. <laughs> set up all the device and start unlocking doors around the world. Um, <laughs> that would just be wrong, right? As I talk about the security behind it and how fabulous it is. But um, I open up the app and I say, hey, A, um, unlock the front door. And she's like, um, what is your voice code? And so I have a secret voice code and I say it kind of quietly, um, even though it's specifically hooked up to my phone. So nobody else can just walk up and talk to my lock and spiel off my voice code and come in my house. It doesn't work like that. Um, and then she's like, I'm locking the front door. And then you can hear it click, click. And I just walk in. It's deadly. I don't have to worry about it. Like um, me turn around and locking it. It's auto locked before you can set the duration of how much time you need to wiggle between the door. Like Oh, wow. Um, mine's five seconds. You can do 30 seconds, two minutes, whatever. Like it's, it's amazing. And I will be honest, it is costly, but I've kind of justified it in my own way. And I think it's like 360 some dollars ish, um, plus tax and whatever else. But that's like a dollar a day for a year. Really? I spend probably a dollar a day on worse things a year than <laughs> the lock, right? And the security and the peace of mind. And yeah. So, I mean, and after that first year, you can look at it and be like, oh, it sort of paid for itself, right? Um, yeah. So I just really wanted to tell people about it. And we got it from like Home Depot. I think you can get it on online. Um, you can get it from like legit door lock companies as well. But um, yeah, Home Depot. And it was actually the cheapest price there. So, mm. uh, Becky, I've got one dumb question for you here, though, because 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 I'm currently in this battle with myself of how smart do I want to make my home? How connected do I want to <laughs> make my home? And just to a certain degree, I don't trust the computers, you know, uh, because I still like to be like a physical like 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 the person who has has the lock and the key and holds the key <laughs> and can turn the key. What's yep. the contingency if the Wi-Fi or the power goes out? Dave, there's a legit key. Okay, a there's legit still a legit key. key. Okay. Yes, there's a legit key because I asked the same question. It's not a dumb question. I don't think it's a dumb question. If both you and I are asking that question, I think it's a valid question. And I said it to my husband and he, I said like, what if it drops? I'm just outside then? Like, that sucks. Um, but no, there's a legit key and, um, we have it placed in a secret spot. Okay, so okay. it's accessible. It's there. Um, yeah. Anyways, it, yes, it is. There is a, a legit old school key. Um, should you feel like entertaining that and, um, you know, giving it a whirl every once in a while. Okay. You see that? Okay. <laughs> By the way, thank you for validating me for not thinking it was a silly question. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, totally. I agree. <laughs> uh, Becky, one more app that you've been using recently is the Life360 app. And that's essentially a tracking app for like you, family, loved ones to sort of put information about where you are in one central place. What has your experience been with the Life360 app? Why are you liking your experience with that app? Yeah, it's a tracking app. That makes you sound a little bit like a stalker. I'm going to be honest, but um, I'm a mom. So in a way, I guess I kind of am in some ways. I will admit it. So we stumble upon this app. Um, my son broke his hand-me-down phone once again. Um, he's 13. So we said, okay, we'll give you a legitimate phone this time that's not kind of decrepit by the time you receive it. So he got a new phone. It actually has a package that has Wi-Fi on it, which you have to have Wi-Fi to utilize the Life360 app. Um, I guess, to, I mean, you can utilize it. It'll just be intermittent, I suppose, if you don't have Wi-Fi all the time. But um, so him and I, are. I'm trying to give him more freedom, right? He's growing up. He's got to spread his wings and do his thing. Um, but I still want to be connected and know that he's fine. 
because yeah. I'm that mom. Yeah. And so he's been riding his bike to and from school. And we had a texting system sort of in effect. Um, on the days that he remembered to get when he got to school, he was supposed to text me to let me know he got there so I could have a peace of mind. And oftentimes, as children do, he kind of forgot to always let me know he was there. So then I was scrambling. I'm like, are you there? Are you there? Are you there? Are you there? And finally, he'd be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm here. I got busy and whatever. But so this Life360 app, he somehow configured, I'll admit it, I wasn't me, um, this group between my husband, my son, and myself. And um, when he leaves the house, uh, it, I get a little like sound, it pings in a particular way and says, then it's left the house. And then when he gets to school, because he's labeled school, I'll get like a, a message back with a particular sound as well. Oh, that that's says, great. When it's arrived at school. It's amazing. That is fantastic for any moms out there. I mean, and I have also found out that um, in time, I will cut him off from this and let him be free and not stalk him anymore. But <laughs> when he's learning to drive in a couple of years, it's also really great um, because it tells you how fast they're driving. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, to me, that's a safety thing, right? Like, I'm not going to be sitting there staring at it or constantly refreshing it. And it is accessible with voiceover heads up. So um, to tell me, you know, how fast he's going. But I probably will be honest and I'll check in on him every once in a while. I'm like, hey. Got to keep it down, you know, it's at 50 in that zone, right? Because I used to be a driver and I know where the zones are zoned at 50, 40 and 110, right? Like, so um, to me, though, in all honesty, since my vision loss has occurred, I do feel a little bit more susceptible to, you know, getting lost myself. It's happened. Um, and it's just safety concerns, right? Yeah. Um, especially when I didn't have my dog, I felt a little bit more vulnerable with the stick. Um, and it's just gives me peace of mind that at any time my husband or my son can kind of check in and see where I'm at. Um, should I need a little bit of assistance or if I get lost, I set up the SOS and be like, okay, come find me. It's a scavenger hunt. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it is helpful. I think in that way. So I just wanted to share it with my other peeps and let them know that, um, there are other options out there that are scheduled for mainstream people that can be totally helpful to us. Yeah, Becky, I I know I used the word tracking app in describing it because I was I was trying to be honest and objective in the way that I described yeah. it. I didn't mean to make you feel like a stalker because I'll tell you this: my mother is watching the show today. She's now going to know about this app. She's going to see if I'll install it on my phone if she can track me. Like even at forty years old, she would be delighted to follow me around and keep track of me. So uh, no, no, I'm, I'm being a little facetious. It, it, I don't think it makes you sound like a stalker at all. I know some dear friends of mine out in Vancouver. Every single time they travel, they get they get their phones linked up and sync up just like you said in case they get lost in case they get separated it's so much easier to track each other down totally and i get the mom i'm you know i always joke and i've joked my entire life and my mom had me microchipped when i was young because i swear she always knows where i'm at and she would love to be part of this app but she's yet to get the invite and she's probably watching too hi mom yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, hi mom love you uh yeah I, I i traveled this weekend and my mom was like i want you to text me the second you get to kitchener i want you to text me the second you get back from kitchener i'm like mom it's an hour and a half away from toronto she's like it doesn't matter i'm your mom i worry and i want to know so yes uh, I love you, Mom. Uh, you're always taking good care of me. I know I make fun of you on the show sometimes, but you always take good care of me. <laughs> it's all right. As a mom, I said I grew you for nine months inside me, so I get to have these extra privileges as well. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Becky, before I say goodbye to you, I want to ask you the daily poll at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Uh, the city of Paris, France, is having a bed bug outbreak, uh, which is gross. Uh, I found an ant in my bedroom yesterday. 
yesterday. I also was very upset about this. Becky, the question <laughs> I'm asking this morning is what insect in your home makes you feel the most icky? I've got some options here. You're not restricted to them, but the options that I've got listed are ants, bedbugs, cockroaches, and centipedes. But I don't know. I bet you guys have some interesting insects there in the prairies. Oh, yeah. Dave, I hate bugs. I'll be honest. I have a disclaimer of any type of bug that wants to thrive off of living on me is on my hit list. It's just gives me the heebie-jeebies, head lice, scabies, anything like that. But if we're talking creepy crawly bugs that enter at their own free will, I'm going to throw maple bugs because we have a major issue every fall right now um, because we have so many maple trees in our area that these little bugs find homes along the side of our house, like right up against the house. Um, it, again, it gets warm and the back fence and then they, they migrate inside it. And I have no idea. And all of a sudden I'll hear one of them flying by because they, they fly, Dave. It's, it's Ugh. insane. Ugh. And it gives me the heebie-jeebies. And so my son is on bug patrol right now because I can't <laughs> handle them living in there. Whether I can see them or not, I don't want them in my house. Gross. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Becky, thank you for this. Have a lovely day. Looking forward to catching up with you again in a couple weeks. Sounds great. Have a great one, Dave. Thanks. That's Becky Czar. Becky is an entrepreneur in Regina, Saskatchewan. And of course, you can vote on the poll at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. You can also send in emails, feedback at ami.ca, or give the show a call, 1-866-509-4545. Coming up after the break, it was a big weekend of weddings. For people on this show, I went to a wedding. Alex Smythe went to a wedding. We will exchange notes about how our weddings were, what goes into a good wedding, and we'll drag Amanda Shikarchi into the conversation as well. Find out how uh, young people actually enjoy themselves at weddings because what I determined this weekend at the wedding is I was spending more time with the parents, the uncles, and aunts than I was with the friends because I am an old man. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Wedding season is officially in the books for me. Three weddings since June 24th. They were all lovely. And I was at my last one this weekend. It was an amazing time in Huron County in Ontario, just surrounded by farmland. It was pristine, ideal, and a beautiful day. Alex Smythe, you went to a wedding in Hamilton, in the Hamilton area. How was your experience? Yeah, Dave, my my wedding experience was uh, great as well. I, it was one of the best uh, weddings I've been to in a long, long time, if not ever. And What made it so uh, good? What made it so good? Why was that? It, it was a combination of everything. I, I think I was unsure how it was going to go. You know, um, my girlfriend, she was in the wedding party. So it's one of those things where, like, when you're not in the wedding party, but you, you're with someone who is, you're kind of on the sideline for a lot of those events. You're like, okay, who am I sitting with? Like, what? how are things going to go? Because they're going to be off and, and busy. But, you know, I had great people around me at my table. They were lovely to chat with, interesting conversations. Mm. And the food was phenomenal. The uh, the 
the actual ceremonies, um, at least in terms of the first half of the, the, the reception, it was very efficient. And I really enjoyed that because it's like right away after the intros were done, it was the first dance. Yeah, and the, and, oh, I and, love that. Uh, there was a bit of a, a Polish tradition. They did that right away. And then you had your first uh, appetizer. And then you, you started to bring in like the speeches and they were trying to be very efficient with the timing of everything so that there was time at the end of the, the night that you didn't have to linger and wait till like 11.30 for the cake to be cut or some last festivities. They wanted to get it kind of done yeah. in a timely manner. A great wedding experience for a guest is a time-efficient wedding that lets you actually mm -hmm. enjoy yourself and doesn't have 77 moving pieces. Uh, I had a great time at my wedding too, Alex. The setting was my first time visiting Huron County. My best friend, Corrine, got married and that was super, super cool. Uh, it was in the middle of pristine farmland. There were horses in the field next to the ceremony who walked up to the fence to watch the ceremony and started going during the ceremony, which was incredible. <laughs> like it really gave it a lot of that wonderful feel. Uh, the butter that was being served for the dinner rolls was freshly made from the cows mm. that day. Alex, I would not call myself a butter aficionado. I'm willing to eat margarine all day long. But after this experience this weekend, uh, your boy is gonna start seeking out fresh butter where he can find it, because it was unreal and amazing. But I also uh, had maybe a bit of a similar experience to you on the flip side though. You mentioned that your girlfriend was part of the uh, bridal party. Yeah. I went to this wedding stag, but my mm -hmm. friend Ashley's partner, Hannah, was in the bride's party or the bridal party. So I ended up sort of becoming Ashley's de facto date for like at least a little bit of the day because of the fact that it was like, she's like, my my wife is <laughs> off with other people. So I got to hang out with somebody. But it was great for me, too, because I didn't know a lot of people at this wedding. So it was great for me to have a little crutch that I could rely on as well in terms of social interaction. Because, Alex, I, I like to mingle, but it takes a couple of bush lights in my system before I'm going to do effective mingling. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm kind of the same way. I want to. I you got to warm up to feel comfortable. Thankfully, like you know, I I met um, uh, one of the people next to me was uh, again a, a boyfriend of uh, the maid of honor. So he he was kind of in the same boat as I was. He we also had the maid of honor's parents at our table, and then oh, wow. some like tangential relations. So there was enough people that you could kind of start to get comfortable with. Um, it's funny because the the boyfriend of maid of honor, uh, I I started. Uh, I've nicknamed him after the fact to Captain America because he's a firefighter captain. He's very well polished, very handsome, very tall, oh, wow. very, mm. very polite. So I was like, oh my, Captain America here. He's always <laughs> looking out for me. He was like, can I get you another drink? What can I do? Like, let's let's go look at the food uh, antipasti table. So it was it was very nice to feel like okay, you know, I'm I'm feeling very comfortable with the people around me. So that 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 really adds to that experience instead of just being at a table where there's no one talking or people talking amongst themselves in their little groups. Yeah, I love that. Okay, let's bring in Amanda Shikarchi on this one. Amanda, you did not attend a wedding this weekend. In fact, it's been a minute since you've been to a wedding, almost four years, five years. Yeah, so my last wedding was pre-COVID in 2019. It was my oldest cousin Danielle's wedding in Los Angeles, Ooh. and it was unique because it was an outdoor venue. Go deeper. Tell me more. Yeah, so see, for weddings, so I was there was definitely some preparations that go into preparing for a wedding. Like that day was 
constantly, you know, moving from one thing to another, like getting my hair done, getting my makeup done, getting into the dress, getting to all the family photos on time. But it was so fun because the actual reception, like the reception and stuff were outdoor and the actual wedding service was outside, which was so beautiful. And then I stuck to my sisters and my cousins a lot because we were all seated at would have been the quote unquote kids table but we're all older now um so yeah and I definitely like you it took a minute to kind of find my space when it came to mingling especially when there's so many people and you're trying to you know get used to this new setup and your new environment so it definitely takes a minute but as you said like I definitely you know had some people like you know my sisters and I would dance or you know my cousins so I definitely had someone with me which was nice Amanda, you're at the age where the weddings are going to start coming here. Like, uh, th- like, like it's going to start happening in your late 20s that uh, people start getting hitched left, right, and center. Alex, I think between the first member of my friend group to get married in the summer of 2010, and here we sit 13 years later, I've probably been to like 40 weddings in the last 13 wow. years. Like maybe maybe like a, a smidge less, but uh, at this point, I'm a seasoned wedding veteran. <laughs> well, what, what's your number looking like? Oh, geez. Uh, in total, I, I would probably say between like six and eight, just uh, doing the quick math off the top of my head. Oh. But there's definitely, uh, yeah, far less than I would have figured. I would have figured you're a popular guy. I would have figured people would have been like, oh, we've got to get party, party boy Alex Smythe here at our wedding. And you know what? I will say, though, it's it, you're very right about that like late 20s uh, kind of age bracket because I had like a period where there was like three or four weddings within, you know, a year of each other. And there's all back to back to back to back. And it's all that friend group, that first wave of getting married. So you're just like, okay, here's the first wave. I'm I'm waiting for that second wave to begin. Hopefully it's not going to be as many in such a condensed period of time. I I love going to weddings. Like, don't get me wrong. Sometimes before a wedding, I get a little bit disgruntled because I'm like, oh, gosh, I got to wear a suit. I got to shave. I got to get my hair cut. I got to deal with strangers. This is going to be terrible. But like without fail. Every wedding I go to, I have a marvelous time. I don't know what it is, Alex. I just find that, like, it's it's the best party in the world because everybody is in a delightful, loving mood. And uh, an open bar that you don't have to worry about the tab, Dave. That typically helps, too, with some, some good foods. So, uh, a couple appies, a couple appies, a yeah. couple cocktails, you know? Like, we, yep. we enjoy. Amanda, you know, like, like you mentioned, maybe you haven't been to a ton here, but but how do you enjoy weddings? You, you, what you in, yeah, no, wedding enjoyer? Sure. The open bar is definitely fun because I was, like, by the time 2019 hit, I was already drinking age in the U.S. So Boop-boop. let's just say I had a little bit of fun in that aspect (laughs) but uh, probably no surprise here based on what I like to talk about on this show but I love the good music you know if it's you know a good song like I was basically there wasn't a moment that I was not on the dance floor like it was just that fun that I was just engaged and wanted to dance and you know let loose for the night so I think I definitely enjoy the music for uh, sure. love it love it Alex what's your favorite part what's the what's the thing you enjoy the most at a wedding maybe leaving the open bar uh, on the side because I think anyone who uh, watches or listens to the show regularly fundamentally understands uh, how you and I feel about an open bar <laughs> yeah you know I- 
I will say having a a good well laid out venue is i think like the best part for me uh where where the venue was uh for the wedding on the weekend it was uh downtown hamilton leona station beautiful venue but it, everything was laid out really well i've been to a few where it's like you have to kind of struggle to find where the heck a bathroom is you go down two flights of stairs yeah you take yeah like yeah the third door on the right it was very clear. It's like, oh, it's you literally walk out the venue hall. It's right on the right. It's clear. It's marked. It's there's very streamlined locations. There's easy access to outside because I enjoy catching my breath, cooling down because it gets very hot on that dance floor. Oh yeah. Uh, when you get everyone dancing, so being able to step outside. So a venue that is practical, makes sense, well laid out. That's my favorite part. Yeah, I'm I'm 100 with you. I think something that I've noticed at some weddings where I've really enjoyed myself is having an area where the music is not blaring and you can mm-hmm. still sit down and be comfortable and have a conversation with people. This particular wedding, first of all, the music never got super loud, which I was delighted by. Number two, they had all these great outdoor patio spaces. There was a fire pit. It was fantastic. There was a little smoking area that was also super chill. That was super relaxed. Like really, really great. Our senior producer, Andrika Delanerol's wedding last year, also had that. There was the big hall side where the dancing and the tables were. Then there was a beautiful little cocktail area set up outside, like outside, still inside, still indoors, but a place where you could stand and chill and hang out and have a conversation and not be overpowered by the music. I love, 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 love when people think about that side of the equation at their wedding. There's more to talk about on the wedding front, gang, but we've got to put a pin in this one because we are desperately running low on time. I do want to mention that at 2 p.m. Eastern time today, Kelly and Ramya hit the airwaves on AMI-tv. Listen to this. Wellness contributor Francis Wong is stopping by to talk to you about microdosing. I've got no more notes about what Francis is talking about in regards to microdosing. Could be cannabis, could be mushrooms, it could be vitamin C. I don't know, but Consider me intrigued about what Francis Wong is talking about just after 2 p.m. Eastern time on Kelly and Ramya. Coming up after the break, it's another edition of the Weekly News Quiz. Amanda Shikarchi and Alex Smythe aren't going far because they're going to battle it out with Karen McGee for the title of winner and the admiration of me. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. It's the Tuesday edition of the show. Get your competitive juices flowing. It's time for the weekly news quiz. And you get a quiz. And you get a quiz. And you get a quiz. That's right, it's the weekly news quiz, which means contestants are standing by. You've heard lots from Alex Smythe and Amanda Shikarchi so far this morning. Who you haven't heard from is Karen McGee. Hello, Karen. Hello, everybody. Nice and warm. Nice and warm indeed. It's a sauna outside, but the competition is also hot on the weekly news quiz. Here are the rules of the game. There are three rounds of questions with three questions per round. Each question comes with three multiple choice options. If you answer the question without hearing the options, you get two points. If you need to hear the options and get it right, you get one. If you get it wrong, 
We move on until the point is awarded. The order of contestants was drawn by Mary Daniel. That's the wife of producer Paul Daniel. The order will be Karen McGee, Amanda Shikarchi, and Alex Smythe. Karen McGee starting in the world of international news. Last week, archaeologists found traces of a disease in a skeleton from 7th century France. Karen, what disease is it? Oh, I'll take the choices, please. It wasn't bed bug bites. It but, was not. Uh, we'll get there if we have time. Is it tuberculosis, syphilis, or typhoid? I'm going to say syphilis. That is correct. One point for Karen McGee. Okay, Amanda, question number two of round number one heading to you. This one also staying in France. President Emmanuel Macron announced a plan to withdraw French troops from an African country by the end of the year. What country is it? I'll take the options, please. Is it South Sudan, Niger, or Angola? Angola? That is incorrect, Alex. A chance for a steal. South Sudan or Niger? Would it be Niger? That is correct. The announcement comes after the coup that has taken place in Niger and ongoing political instability. So one point for Alex, one point for Karen McGee. Alex with an opportunity to take the lead. Alex, the Biden administration, the Biden, the Joe Biden administration, announced plans to allow citizens of a country to travel to the United States without a visa. What country is it? Can I get the options, please? Is it Romania, Cyprus, or Israel? Would it be Israel? That is correct. Two points for, well, one point for Alex Smythe to put him in a two-point total. Israel has to reciprocate by allowing free passage for Palestinian Americans at its airports. So there you go. After round one, Alex Smythe has two points. Karen McGee has one. Amanda sitting on the goose egg at zero. But Amanda, you get the first question of round number two. Amanda, what country's athletes will be allowed to compete at next year's Paralympics as neutral athletes? I think this relates to the daily poll, but I'm going to get the options just in case it's not on there. Is it Russia, China, or Hungary? Russia. That is correct. One point for Amanda Shikarchi. The Canadian Paralympic Committee says it supported a full ban of Russian and Belarusian athletes. So Amanda is on the board. Alex, a chance to expand your lead, though. There was a blockbuster three-team trade in the NBA last week, the National Basketball Association. All-star point guard Damian Lillard was traded from the Portland Trailblazers. What team did Lillard get traded to? Oh. I, I wasn't following this one. I was following the Drew Holiday one. Okay, uh, can I get the option, please? Is it the Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks, or the Miami Heat? Was it the Bucks? That is correct. One point yeah. for Alex Smythe. The third team in the deal to facilitate the move was the Phoenix Suns. Still not quite sure what they got out of this trade, but uh, that's another story for a different segment. Alex has three points. Amanda's got one, and Karen McGee has one. Karen, a huge opportunity for you here, though, as you get the last question of round number two. Hall of Fame Major League Baseball third baseman Brooks Robinson died last week at the age of 86. He spent his entire 23-year career with one team. Karen, what team was it? I saw the story. I didn't read it thoroughly. I'll take the choices. Is it the Kansas City Royals, the New York Yankees, or the Baltimore Orioles? I'm going to say the mm, Royals. 
That is incorrect. Oh. Amanda, was it the New York Yankees or the Baltimore Orioles? New York Yankees? That is incorrect. Default point for Alex now taking a commanding lead. Robinson was a two-time World Series winner, and he participated in 18 All-Star games. He won 16 consecutive gold gloves as the best defensive player at the position. Alex is so far the best player of the news quiz, holding a lead. He has four points. Karen has one. Amanda has one. But there's still lots of time here with round number three and plenty of points up for grabs. Alex, you get the first question, though. You can really cement this thing. Last week, health officials in Alberta concluded it was this kind of food that was the source of an E. coli outbreak affecting 350 children attending daycares. Alex, what was the food item? I I, I haven't a guess, but I want to be sure. Can I get the options, please? You were not listening close enough to the regional no. news update. I went on a big, long rant about this. Is it milk, meatloaf, or wheat? It was the meatloaf. Yeah. It's the the meatloaf gave me E. coli. <laughs> the city of Calgary laid charges against the shared kitchen for operating without a proper license. First of all, like, how does that happen? Anyway, I'm, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it. You've heard plenty of thoughts from me about the E. coli outbreak and meatloaf and the importance of inspections. Uh, all this to say, uh, it's gross. So, so gross. Never, ever order the meatloaf. Never, ever, ever order the mass-produced meatloaf. If you're going to make meatloaf, make it yourself. Do not order it at restaurants. Uh, Alex has a big lead here, but in theory, mathematically, Karen and Amanda are still alive. Karen, it all starts with you here with question number two of round number three. Target announced, well, in Canada, we said Target. Target announced it's closing nine of its stores in the U.S. next year. What did the company say is the reason for the closures? Uh, online shopping. Uh, no, that is incorrect. Uh, Amanda, you've got to swing at this one. You can't ask for the options because it mathematically eliminates you from the game. Um, there is, I guess, lots of, um, I guess, not enough clientele. That is also incorrect. Alex, you can take the options if you want them, but you've already sealed your victory here. Ah, uh, you know what? I will say it is um, uh, the cost of rent. No, also incorrect. Hey, I get the two points. I get the there two points. Go, it's uh, increasing cases of theft. So I'm now in second place. So careful, Alex. <laughs> careful how we handle this last question. Uh, so there you go. Yeah, they cited uh, too much theft going on at Target. So they closed nine of those stores because of the uh, safety of their employees. Okay, this uh, third question, Amanda, of round number three is just a formality. But if you've been paying attention to my regional news update, you know the story. Amanda, what province announced mandatory mass in medical settings starting today? Uh, I'll take the options, please. Is it New Brunswick, BC, or PEI? BC? That is correct. The mandatory masking is returning to the province's healthcare facilities today as a preventative measure around COVID-19. That was simply a formality, but now Amanda has tied me in second place, so I'm angry. I thought I was going to get a big second place finish here with my two default points, but the winner is... Mr. Alex Smythe, well done by you, sir. 
Oh, thank you very much, Dave. You know, I felt like I wasn't really following the news that closely, so it's just uh, very fortunate <laughs> I came out with the win today. Uh, well, you knew all about Ma, the meatloaf. <laughs> I don't know what she does in there all day. Uh, Karen McGee, there's two minutes left on the clock here. I want to ask you the daily poll at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Paris, France, dealing with an outbreak of bed bugs. And as I mentioned, I found an ant in my bedroom yesterday, which I'm very concerned about, very, very concerned. Concerned. Karen, what is the insect in your house that makes you feel the most icky? The options here, by the way, you're not limited to them, are ants, bedbugs, centipedes, or cockroaches? Fruit flies. Okay, go a little Hands deeper down, here. Fruit flies, they are tiny, they procreate like crazy, and um, they just suck. Because like you go to grab a piece of fruit and all these little flies come off them. And I, they come from the stores. And I try really hard. I put fruit in the fridge when I bring it home to try and like not have them. But this time of year with the heat, yeah, they suck. Yeah. They get in your drains. My my old roommate, uh, Marty, was a great cook. So there's always a lot of fresh produce around the house, which meant there was always a lot of fruit flies around the house. It was an ongoing battle between the cat and the fruit flies flies to uh, deal with it. Uh, Your cat doesn't strike me as particularly murderous. Oh, my cat finds mice. My cat is a... My cat is a... Yeah, no, she, she's murderous. Different, different kind of murderous. Different kind of murderous. But we'll get her to work on this fruit fly business. Uh, Karen, thank you for this. I'm sorry you didn't win the quiz. I'm sorry, too. <laughs> you can vote on the poll at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook. Big thanks to Alex and Amanda for being a part of the quiz as well. That's all the time there is for the show today. Don't worry, things kick off again tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Eastern time on the mighty airwaves of AMI-TV or on demand on the mighty AMI-audio podcast network. Until then, I'm Dave Brown reminding you to play safe, play fair, but don't forget to have some fun. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.